0: Welcome to another CMC Podcast. Today, we're continuing our series where we're interviewing the participating teams from GRIP North America 2022. And today we have joining us the Rose City Ropers. Adam, you want to say hi
1: and introduce us to your team? Yeah. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having us. Uh, we're happy to be here. We got um, uh, the five rescuers uh, right now. Uh, we got um, Sam Dugan. Howdy. Joseph Keenest. Hi. Tyler Hole, hello, and um, David Mukovian. Hey,
0: excellent. So, Adam, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your department and your team?
1: Yeah, we get the City of Portland, uh, Multnomah County here in uh, Oregon. We have uh, thirty-one stations, uh, eleven trucks. Two of them are Quints, twenty-nine engines, uh, one squad, and uh, one of the. One of those 29 engines also cross-mans the squad, and then three boats. We have a 16-person uh, tech team uh, made up of four companies, and then we operate uh, with an R uh, team. We do USAR, and rope, trench, confined space, heavy vehicle extrication, machinery rescue, heavy equipment rigging and uh, crane operations.
0: Well, a well-cross trained team there. So, uh, so what got you uh, interested in, in uh, participating in Grimp North
1: America? Yeah, we heard about Grimp in uh, 2019. Actually it it came out and um, I think Makoviak is the one who initially saw it and we tried to get a team together back then but it, we didn't have much notice and didn't know a lot about it and so that's kind of sparked it and then we're like hey when this comes around again we gotta we gotta take this opportunity it sounds super cool uh <clears throat> so it went around and 2020 didn't happen right because of covid and then uh 2022 muscoviac found it and texted me and we had four days i think to get our application in so rounded up a crew as quickly as we could and um kind of got as many details as we could it's kind of it's pretty close for us to fly down to uh, la not bad and um so that helped with being able to do it and then applied and then the and then it was only that was only the beginning
0: (laughs) as you quickly found out huh? yes yes so have, have uh, your team participated in any other competitions?
1: No, we haven't. Oh wow! No form of competition at all. We didn't even really know it was a a thing.
0: Really? Oh, that's kind of cool. Then this is your first one. Yes. So, what did you guys do to prepare for the event
1: then? Yeah, uh, Tyler holds ready to answer this one.
2: Also, um, we did we did a bunch of preparing. Um, you know, the first thing was we didn't really, we didn't know what we had gotten ourselves into. So we just kind of, you know, like anybody else, we went to the internet and hit Google and tried to tried to figure out what Grimp really all was all about. And so we came across uh, first the CMC um, podcast from the 19 one, that's kind of the follow-up from that. Um, and just kind of getting our, our minds wrapped around, you know, the, it was going to be on the, in the same venue at the battleship so we're like okay well it, it some of the stuff is probably going to be similar so we'll start there and then came across the um the ronin rescue podcast that mark pfeiffer does and uh that was a treasure trove of information and i my, me personally and that's kind of why i'm answering this question is i kind of went down that rabbit hole of of uh listening to a lot of his podcasts but primarily the the grimp north america and the grimp um, Europe, China ones that that uh, they had done and did podcasts about, um, and then we came across we also came across a YouTube video that uh, after nineteen, Las Vegas technical rescue team had put out, and it gave us a little snippet of of um, that you know that video of. Okay, what are they doing? Where, where are they, how are they rigging this one little thing? Just because while we are a, uh, we live in a concrete jungle where we do a lot, all of our rope rescue, confined space, trench. Yeah, the, the Las Vegas YouTube, um, it, it kind of like gave us something to look at. We'd, we'd watch the videos and kind of like with a fine tooth comb just to see, you know, what are they rigging to? What kind of systems are they setting up? what's in the background like they there was you know the in the stack scenario for instance there was what how they were rigging something but there was a team in the background like what are they doing for that scenario unfortunately with the as everybody who has been in this competition knows that there's not a whole lot of video of the stuff that's below deck so you know you get a little bit of that um and then, and then there was uh, there's YouTube videos out there from Ronan um, and all the, the the grimp, the other competitions in Europe and stuff. Um, so that gave us a good basis to start. And um, so our whole team, with the exception of of Dave Muskoviak, we're all on the same shift at the same station. So we run three three rigs out of this station, and we were able to train on duty. And so. Um, We first started where Adam was uh, the team leader and he was um, putting together some scenarios for us. And we came across another podcast. I mean, these guys got tired of me talking about podcasts, but (laughs) I would, I would listen to one and then send them all the link and then we'd like talk about it the next shift. Like, Hey, what do you think about this, this and this? Um, And, and so that the, the one I think it was a Ronan podcast with Kevin Ristow And he was the team from a team leader perspective. And one of the things that we took away from that was challenging the team leader. And so we switched up how we were doing our scenarios. We each member would come up with their own scenario and then keep everybody else in the dark and then give it to Adam, the team leader, and then take a back seat during while we were practicing for the scenario. So I think that really helped us out because we, instead of, you know, coming up a lot of times when you do scenarios, you come up with the solution before you actually come up with the, in order to come up with the scenario, you come up with the solution first. And it was, it was interesting just to see how if you came up with scenario, the solution was completely different from how you uh, thought it should be done, but it worked great. So it just, it helped our, our, our whole team that way. And then we did some small group stuff. Um you know, we we split up our team into a couple of riggers and a couple of rescuers and the team leader and we would break off into small groups, uh, you know, doing rigging with the vortex, rigging with the dragon lift, um, patient packaging, patient packaging in the stokes, uh, rigging in space, you know, just kind of like trying to come have a, a central focal point for for rigging a um, a point to you know to attach to. Um, And then we also did, we have a six story tower behind the station. So uh, something that we weren't really used to and we hadn't done a whole lot of, but was rope access. So we started, we did a lot more, you know, than the standard NFPA uh, rope uh, ascending and descending. We kind of switched gears and we have, we're lucky enough to have um, three different arborists that work at our station and so we're kind of looking at their gear and seeing how we can adapt that for us and you know just getting into that rope access world something that we up until this training we hadn't really done any of and but now you know in the future hopefully we're going to do a lot more of. Um, and then I think the last thing we did was kind of our teamwork and I' to let Joseph um, go with her, that part of it of our preparation.
3: Thanks, Tyler yeah i think one of the one of the most important scenarios we ran into getting ready for this competition was was working and preparing as a team and even though uh it didn't necessarily have much to do with the specifics of rope work uh we had a one of the mornings we spent drilling, getting ready for this. Uh, It was going very well. And kind of on the last uh, section of the scenario we set up for ourselves, um, we ran into some, just a little bit of friction between some of the team members. And I think that was a really good opportunity that presented itself that we weren't expecting because we have been working together for so long in the same station on the same shift uh, where we don't encounter those situations very often. And Going back and reflecting on that moment and having those hard conversations before the uh, competition, I think it made us better as a team. It sort of solidified the purpose, the why that we were doing this competition and putting the competition in a greater context of coming back to the station and coming back to our shift and coming back to our crews to affect positive outcomes for human victims when the situation arises. And I just I would encourage anybody that's getting ready for any challenging scenario, whether it's drilling at the station or preparing for a, a competition like this, to, to really take a hard look at where your weaknesses are as a team and spend the time to align your goals, both personally and, and how you fit into the group. So that when, you know, the moment of truth arrives, you're not focused on the friction that comes up between members, and you can focus on the patients, because that's what we're here for. And, And that really, I think, was the, just a huge breakthrough moment for our team. And, and I have no doubt that it led to um, more successful outcomes, both at Grimp, but then coming back to the station, uh, and deciding what to focus on, on the next chapter of rope rescue, uh,
0: for our, for our tech rescue program. Wow. That's a, that's a great takeaway. It's kind of interesting. You put, you know, five high performing type a personalities, uh, together. Yeah, that's, uh, Managing uh, personalities can be uh, can be challenging. So that it sounds like you guys really had a great takeaway there.
3: It was great. The dynamic of having 16 people uh, and and then shrinking that down to five, um, where each one of us would typically function as you know kind of that group leader at a at an actual uh, incident that we were called out to. Um, it certainly <laughs> it certainly brought those energies. Together, um, and I think in the end, it, it was you know it was in a much more complementary way, as opposed to a uh, you know creating more friction for us. Oh,
0: very good. So, kind of why don't we kind of dive into the scenarios here, and we'll we'll start with the, the real public, uh, real high profile ones. Room with a view.
1: Yeah, yeah. We started. I'll start off with this one, um, and. We started off with Room with the View. That was on the beginning of day two. First scenario. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> yeah, we started with that one. And you want us to just go through how involved do you want us to explain these uh, scenarios? Well, just you know, kind, of, kind of
0: what your thoughts were, and maybe if you had any real specific uh, uh, challenges or things you overcame.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think for, for that one, with to get four uh, members um, up the rope, it's something we had practiced for. And we formulated a, a plan at the uh, bottom, sent up the initial rescuer. And it was actually day two, so that kind of had a dynamic that we had to think about for that scenario. Um, the Our number one rescuer. Um, stayed on the ground. And we sent up one of our other members, uh, our second rescuer up the line first. So that kind of changed the dynamics for us, not in a bad way. And um, uh, as our dynamics were for the group, it, w- it made it uh, totally manageable, um, but it ascended up. And then there was a, a double edge transition at the top, which we elected to send up two climbers at the same time on the ropes. So that added more challenge than expected because there was the edge transition was really tough with the tight rope. It's mm-hmm. hard to pass. You know, it's almost like passing another knot uh, <laughs> up at the up at the top there. So, <clears throat> but we worked through that and and set up uh, our our anchor at the top, the bottom, made his own plan for the transition. Uh, once the the victim got down so he was setting that up once we got the four members up to the top and the litter uh, the key was having that uh, guy on the bottom package having everything ready with the litter so when he brought it up it was a vertical sked uh, vertical stokes and uh, it was rigged up so we could put the patient in it and lower him lower him down uh Hindsight, I think we could have had our anchor higher, could have went up above and set, uh, there was another rail up higher that would have made that edge transition a little easier. Um, Put him out, uh, swung his feet over untended, and then uh, sent him down and sent down a rescuer with him. And then by the time I was the last one down And by the time I was getting down, we were, they were sending him to the second, that was a platform. And then there was another landing down below that. So they were sending him over that rail. And so that all, that all went fine. We were close to the time. And then I remember as we were all, we sent the victim down, it was about 10 feet down to that last platform, getting everything in the box. Right. And we had about five minutes left. And, uh, Tyler Hole was the last guy up on the top and we had rigged up uh, the ropes so we could uh, rappel down and um, bring the ropes with us. And he was, uh, there's bystanders and everything. So um, he had to take a minute, he did it very well. Took a minute, rigged up his uh, rappel lines and, and went down and we had three minutes to spare or so it was it was close we took we took every bit of every bit of time but it was a great great experience you guys had something to add yeah i mean that last portion
2: i i didn't notice that you know i'm I'm doing my own thing and i and i'm getting ready to go over the edge and make that edge transition on that final i mean it's only like a 10 foot rappel yeah and i look over and there's Fifteen people, and they're all, you know, it's a bunch of CMC instructors and yeah. evaluators, and then all of our um, our family members who had come and were watching. them like, okay, don't mess up now. <laughs>
4: and then, you know, the were oh, that's the right. Service. Yeah, they yeah. yeah, had that deck closed off, so there was a line of tourists waiting to come yeah. up and get through the museum.
2: So yeah, yeah. I was oh, fully wow. confident, but it was just like, you know, it was a little bit of that. Okay, gotta <laughs> Just double check everything. Make sure I'm doing it right. For <laughs> no,
0: no pressure. Huh? No
4: pressure. For me, the room with the view was really cool because it was the only spot on the ship that uh, as we were in between scenarios, you could actually go up on the, the foredeck of the ship and see two teams going through a scenario. And that was the only spot on the entire um competition that you could you know if you had a little bit of downtime between your scenarios you could go on deck and actually watch other teams performing and see how they were doing so i thought that was you know a a, a good point for that scenario so
0: yeah well excellent so and kind of as long as we're up on top of the ship here what? Well, let's uh kind of head back to the stack so your highline your reaving highline scenario
2: I'll I'll go. This is Tyler. I'll Tyler, we'll talk
1: about the stacks. So the
2: stacks, you know, like so like I said before, we're, you know, urban uh, urban rope team. So we don't do high lines very often, you know, that, that's kind of a typical backcountry type thing, you know, getting over a canyon or over a river or whatever. So we don't we don't necessarily practice the high lines a lot. And so the way that we prepare, um, you know, we're pretty old school. We uh we use the cmc manual as our manual we have our own kind of internal manual but we use that as our kind of our um our go-to reference and um and we had come across a lot of information from you know the europeans and uh how ronin's doing it and stuff like that and we just didn't know we just didn't think we could change how we do it at this quick of a time uh you know prepping for this thing. So we uh rigged the A side with flying W and we were joking that um you could have taken the pictures and they would have been in sepia tone. Um I think one <laughs> of our evaluators came up to our A side rigger, uh Joseph and said, Cool, I haven't seen one of those in three years at least. <laughs> and so and, and kind of the same way with me, I was rigger on the on the uh Bravo side and um it probably was a little bit of training scars because every time we practiced our high lines here, we took a rope bag with us. And for me to, to rappel all the way down to that middle deck where the victim was, I made contact with our victim um, and, uh, and then had to climb all the way up to the other side. And I was carrying 13 mil, 300 feet of 13 mil um, plus rigging gear. And so I was a little gassed and that was our third scenario of the first day, which it was pretty warm by that point too. So, you know, it was kind of like the evaluators, when I got up to that other side, they were, they were joking like, well, that would might've been a little easier if you didn't have that big rope bag. I was like, no kidding. But uh, <laughs> you know, I think it was just training scars a little bit um, on that point. Uh, so we set up, we set up the A side, we set up the B side. We got our, our, other rescuer down to the victim um, they secured the victim and we started sending out um, our Stokes basket on the the Kootenai once we had our everything set up but we lowered it down to them and we got them in and and that's when they stopped us and um, and we weren't able to to continue at that point, I think we probably had 25 to 30 minutes ish left in our, on our 90 minute time scenario. Um, it might've been 20, uh, but just kind of going through all our checks. We were kept looking at the Stokes, how it was rigged. Uh, we were doing that, um, double ASAP on the reeve. So we were doing a, um, uh, Norwegian with, Double A.S.A.P.s as our backups. Something that we're not tech, we're not used to because we normally tandem, and we tend it with uh, with uh, prussics, but um, we had kind of switched just so we didn't have to haul two person load uh, up, and we we just didn't look up at the Kootenai, and that was something where we we were a little frustrated at that point because um, what technically it was a technicality kind of thing where we couldn't continue it was a bummer for us because it's like that's straight out of the the manual for and um you know i think somebody had their phone they pulled out the cmc app and said it's rigged just like this and so um we understand that you know grimp has a little bit different um you know kind of structure and and how uh i guess you know like the, there was the three things that were bomber and acutiny wasn't one of them and it right. would have been simple enough it, i mean back to our training scars we were using two different ropes for our control lines so we had a side control yeah. line b side control line if we had used one control line for that whole thing we would have been fine cuz cuz the, the the catch was as we were rigging a single rope with a termination point and a and a prusik into one side of the Kootenai and a single point, Prusik, termination point in the other side of the Kootenai. Had those been attached from side to side, something that we weren't used to, um, we, we would have been fine. Yeah. So I think we, hopefully we would have been able to rescue our victim in the allotted time. It it, it, would, it would have been real tight for us to get everything broken down and, and get back into that box in a time limit, but. yeah just frustrating not being able to kind of keep going and and make the time be our our time standard. So,
0: yeah. And, and just so I can kind of comment on our listeners that that the, the three things that were determined to be, you know, uh, unquestionably sound, if you will, to, to quote Richard Delaney is uh, you know, your harness uh, unquestionably sound anchors and then an anchor plate that could not be manipulated in any way. And, Actually, during the team captain's meeting and the evaluators' meeting, that was the Kootenai was specifically discussed. And the Supreme Court actually had to do a ruling on that. And what they ultimately came down to, you know, it's a widely accepted practice to use the Kootenai in, you know, as an unquestionably sound device and not back it up. But unfortunately, there was no way to, from a competition standpoint, to draw a line with just that. So the Supreme Court actually ruled at the, uh, at the meeting for the uh, the team leads and the evaluators that that had to be backed up, but yeah, that was you were not the only team that was frustrated with that and even as evaluators uh, you know people were frustrated because that isn't normally how you how we would set
2: that up in the US with a
0: backup yeah
2: yeah, I mean we we discussed it in that morning after you know we uh, Adam came back from the team leaders meeting and kind of we discussed okay, what's a bomber anchor? Mm-hmm. And we were looking at the Kootenai as our uh, tensionless hitch or a mm-hmm. high string tie off mm-hmm. on the B side and going, okay, is this, is this a good enough, you know, but we weren't, we weren't, we had, we weren't really tracking on the, it being, uh, it actually pulling apart or, or whatever on a, yeah. on a high line for the Kootenai carriage. So yeah, we, we, you know we took it and we kept going and, you know, that was day one and we didn't let it, it let it phase us. So, um, it was frustrating, but at the same time, it, you know, it didn't, it didn't affect us on day two. I think we did really well on day two. So, um,
0: that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you guys had kind of mentioned too, you had, uh, you know, family members and spectators and everything able to watch you, uh, up on these two, but, uh, the next one uh, down in the catacombs, there, there were no spectators down there other than evaluators. So what did you guys think of the catacombs?
1: Oh, the, the catacombs, we loved the catacombs. It was right up our alley. Um, we, uh, they gave us the scenario. And we. so we, one of our disciplines is confined space, right? And we are quite comfortable with it. We got the scenario, uh, we sent in the rescuer and then we ended up with our entire team in the, in the tunnel at one point. And our uh, victim who is uh, with us now, Jason Klink is uh, on the long and slim side. So he was suited very well uh, for this <laughs> scenario. But yeah, we went uh, straight back in, hooked up and we just kept it super simple. Uh, we laid our line, we essentially did a low angle uh, slide and he was, we couldn't get him turned around. So we laid him in the sked and the key for this sked was uh, wrapping it up and keeping the end open so we could wrap him even tighter. I think we had him about a 10 inch sausage tube
5: by the time <laughs> we were
1: done. Um, so it was, uh, it was pretty sweet. And then our riggers, um, our riggers were Joseph and uh, Tyler. And they were at the end, we hooked the rope up to him and we just pulled him through each hole. Uh, The key to this one was uh, keeping it simple for sure, right? And then looking at the holes, like once we get this um, seven foot package in these three holes that are all lined up, you got to have some, you got to lay out a rescuer in each spot. Otherwise, he's going to hit a a pinch point and we're not going to be able to move him. So that was the key in, in a couple of those voids. It was kind of cool because uh, you could move quick, and, but you still had to think ahead a little bit. And then there was these oval egg shaped holes that we had to get the sked through. And then one of them had a pipe in between the two of them. So we had to roll uh, Jason up on his side and, and tuck him through and uh, just barely barely made it. And I think we're 20 minutes for that one, start to finish. Oh. So we got out and I looked at the uh, evaluator. I was like, is that it? Is there, what's the rest of it? The rest of it? <laughs>
5: what we miss?
1: And the guy was super cool. He's like, that's it. You guys did great. Yeah. What did we miss? Yeah. Where's the other victim? What's part two? <laughs> Where do we got to take this guy? Uh, so anyway, it was,
0: it was good. Almost too easy, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We were wondering, we were looking around wondering. And it was our last one. That was our sixth scenario on the last day. So it was a great, uh, great way to finish. Yeah,
5: yeah,
0: that's for sure. So then, uh, I mean, and I'm not sure where uh, this this fell into your two day schedule here, but Broadway, so the, the main aisle way with the, uh, with the vortex problem here.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, Joseph's Joe... gonna talk about this. Okay, yeah, this
3: was a, I, it felt like this was another win for us. I mean, we were excited to see the vortex, uh, as rigorous, Tyler and I had spent a lot of time. Uh, trying to challenge ourselves with Vortex scenarios, you know, during our preparation phase. And so we were, we were pumped to see that (laughs) Vortex was finally going to come into play and then (laughs) kind of surprised to see um, that it wasn't going to be a very complicated rigging problem necessarily. So uh, it was uh, when we were in the staging area waiting to go, uh, we, you know, of course noticed that tiny, tiny hatch in the deck uh (laughs) in the the direction that we were obviously heading so you know of course we furrowed our brows and and uh looked at that thing thinking like well two rescuers they're pretty limber I think we can get them through there so that was a fun scenario for uh for Tyler and I rigging on the top side um we worked really well together and and you know came up with a plan that we felt worked well, uh, rather than using, we just did a an A-frame kind of uh, canted. So the head was directly over the hatch and then just tied back the head in both directions. And uh, I mean, on a ship like that anchors are everywhere. So that was really nice to work with. And we did a drop loop. So we had a two to one going down into the hatch uh, and then I think we hauled with a three to one on the one side. So, you know, that was a, it was a simple uh, rigging setup and it worked well. And Mac did a great job of getting down to the victim and getting a package. So uh, he, he, he's it was, he squeezed out of the hole like a muffin coming back out. And uh, <laughs> we were, we were happy to see it went well down there and that we weren't going to have any problems getting back out too. So um, we, we felt like all in all, um, Our preparation really came into play on this one. Um, We're just so used to working in a large team and to have two people topside rigging and two people down functioning as rescuers. um, It was fun because it it gave a lot of responsibility to each individual to to pull off the job that they're given uh, independently of the rescuers knowing what the riggers are doing and vice versa. Just trusting that when they hook that carabiner up to the the harness of the victim that everything's going to be ready to go. So that was a great scenario for us, and and we were happy to finally use the vortex.
2: <laughs> yeah. So this this Tyler again. Uh, we yeah. uh, one more thing we did is uh, Mac ascended up the line with a fixed line just because we needed a third person up on. We had put a team leader and two rescuers down the hole, and um, we needed one person up to help with that edge transition because we were running a. A dedicated main dedicated safety and so to to be able to run that safety and that main at the same time we had to have somebody to help bring the victim out of the hole so mac uh awesome job by ascending up a fixed line and then he was up there but everybody else we just because it was so simple we just hauled them with that drop loop I mean, it was like two or three resets, and we were able to get them, get everybody, and just haul them right up. And they were able to maybe pull up on the um, uh, on one part of that drop loop just to assist coming out of the hole. But like, it was so much more simple to to raise everybody out than it would would have been for them to have to ascend, especially since you know it's it's our second evolution of the day. We've already ascended on Room with a View, and so you know just making it easy on us we're not knowing what's what's next i mean we had heard that catacombs was going to be hard so we uh we were kind of trying to keep a little bit of uh energy and and Mm -hmm. for us you know like we had those 90 minute scenarios so we were like hey if we get done we get done when we get done it doesn't really matter and time wise and um it was just simple as faster a lot of times
0: you hit it right on the head too Almost every one of these scenarios, if you approached it with that thought, the teams that did that normally did the best. Yep.
4: Yeah, and, and I'd say as a rescuer on that one, once we had the victim uh, up the hole, back up to the deck, it was really nice when they dropped that loop back down, just be able to clip that to your harness, throw your safety on, and then take a ride, you know, a little bit of hand over hand up the fixed line side of it, help those guys out. But mm-hmm. it was way faster than ascending for us. Um and, yeah, being day two and not knowing what the next scenario is going to be, uh, that, that drop loop was key for us. We used that a couple of times on our scenarios. But it worked out well.
0: Yeah, that's an awesome, awesome tool. Did you guys uh, re- were you able to fi- find the victim pretty quick?
4: Uh, yeah, yeah, Mac, Mac can speak to that. He was the one that went in and found him.
5: Yeah, I think we found him pretty quick. We didn't have any troubles. We just kind of going through all the levels, making sure you didn't miss miss any cracks or holes. They could have stuffed them in. And then, yeah, once we found them, it was pretty simple from there.
1: Well, that's good. Yeah, I know. Broadway was funny too, because we were standing there in the hallway, you know, before they gave us this scenario and the other team was like just on the other side. And we're like, well, that's gotta be the hole. It looked like this eight inch hole in the (laughs) ship with a bar over the top of it. It's like, and then they opened the hatch it's like yep you're going in there oh okay yeah it was it looked deceivingly small from the top it was bigger than how it looked so it was pretty cool like all right and then everybody just piled in
0: and that bar was uh not very nicely placed either (laughs) so so then uh so from Broadway, kind of heading towards the back of the ship here to back to Shaft Alley.
1: Yeah, we had uh, our rescuer, rescuer number one was uh, Sam Dugan, and uh, we almost physically killed him on this one. So he's <laughs> going to talk about this one.
4: <laughs> yeah, so so Shaft Alley was uh, scenario two on day one for us. So we had just finished up uh, with the wing void. Uh, and I was the the primary rescuer on that one. So I was dirty, tired, sweaty, covered in dust. Uh, so rehydrated between those scenarios and then, yeah, Shaft Alley, we kind of gathered up and were, were um, showing our entry point. And uh, it was a, I want to say a four deck drop. So I repelled down uh, fixed lines, four decks through, I don't know, 16 inch holes basically in each space. Um, and then had to do a search as a confined space search. So I branched out, second rescuer dropped in behind me, that was Mac, he went a different way. We just kept searching and we were told at the beginning of this one that if we found ropes hanging, we could use them if we wanted to. So eventually in my search, I came to a set of fixed lines um, that went back up about four decks it looked like, pretty dark. Um, So I communicated back where I was going and started ascending. Uh, all the way to the top of that space ended up in a, about a 10 by 10 compartment and the floor, uh, had a hole in a big square hole. That was about six by six or maybe seven by seven. There wasn't a whole lot of standing room in this, in this space Looked like a machinery access room for, for loading and unloading gear out of the ship. Uh, and then there's clink laying there on this 12 inch ledge clipped into a, um, a door into some hardware for safety and he's laying there and the evaluators on the other side clipped in also and there's literally nowhere to stand other than this 12 inch ledge around the perimeter of the room uh, felt like about 95 degrees when I finally got in there and by the time I was done uh, felt like about 125 degrees so, uh, I'll, I'll say my mistake on this one was not having a second person ascend up behind me for, for help. Um, packaging Jason in the, um, the sked was difficult with that limited space and him being already attached to the wall. Uh, yeah, very, very challenging and trying to stay on edge protection myself. Uh, there were some chain guardrails that I was able to unclip. I asked the evaluator if I could, he said, yeah, you can lose whatever you want to stay tied in. So yeah, I had my fall, fall protection, but man, Two inches backwards you know your heels aren't on anything when you're working on, on a narrow ledge like that so getting him into that dragon lift system was very very difficult luckily he doesn't weigh very much so I was initially, you know finally able to get him slid into it packaged up uh, our riggers four decks down um, sent me up uh, a main and a safety I fixed two anchors up up top uh, for our systems, and then got him rigged to that, and then we changed the plan to, I want to say, an ASAP for the safety. So that became a fixed line, and then they lowered him on the main from four decks down. Um, but yeah, so we got him lowered, and I could tell as soon as he went down through the big hole that that next deck below that he hit, he wasn't going to fit through it without assistance. So I ended up clipping back into the fixed lines, rappelling down a deck, squeezing him through the hole. Uh, lowering him another deck, rappelling down, squeezing him through that hole. So we did that, four decks down, uh, and then I was blown out. I was done. (laughs) I was completely shot, and I looked at Mac and said, you're going to have to go up and derig all of our systems and then come down the, the CMC system. So, you know, that was a very humbling moment for me. You know, second scenario on day one, it's 1030 in the morning, and I'm blown out. (laughs) <laughs> um super humbling but i knew i was not i was not in a position where i was going to be able to you know ascend back up those ropes um rig everything and then get back down i did not i did not feel that was going to be a good move uh, it was going to be too slow so mac is very fast ascending so he went up and was back down before we knew it and uh yeah and then we got we got jason uh fed down through this angled hole like under or over a pipe it was, it was a really bad transition. Uh, yeah, you, you came through the deck on that last deck into the space and then had to feed them, I think, over the top of a pipe down into the next room over. So it was kind of a vertical into a horizontal transition.
1: Through the engine room.
4: And then, yep, through that shaft alley. And they went probably yeah. 60, 70 feet back on that deck. I mean, it was through yeah. several spaces. Just yeah. skidded them back and then rigged them up uh, for the ascent back up four decks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, one thing that happened to us on this that was kind of comical was uh Jason was he was tied in, the evaluator had clipped him in with his safety to the, the door wheel, the, mm-hmm. the lock there on the compartment door, which actually entered back into the space where our rigging team was. Like we ended up, you know, the victim was through one door from where the rigging team was. Uh-huh. We <laughs> you just couldn't get him out that door. Uh-huh. So he was clipped into that, that wheel. I ended up clipping my safety line into that for my Edge Pro. And at one point, our uh, team photographer was told that she could open that door up and take fit you know pictures or, or photos or videos of us. And uh, so I noticed that when I'm packaging him in this dragon lift, that his line is getting tight and my line is getting tight for the Edge Pro. And I look up and the wheel has been turned about three revolutions. And our photographer is on the other side of that, that door trying to open the door up with another evaluator he was trying to get you know her access to us but we had to start screaming you know to stop because they were winding our lines up tight to the wall and I didn't know what was going to happen but it all worked out in the end um yeah we got him out we made good time on that one so it was just yeah very humbling um that much work and that's that tight of a space with that heat just kicked my butt so yeah it was and, a team effort. And don't get
3: the wrong idea. I mean, Sam's in great shape. It's not like,
4: you know, he can't
3: pull his weight. I mean, he does construction on his days off and land clearing and for 12, 14 hours a day. So it's just, it's very difficult work when it's hot and confined and oh. you're by yourself and, and mentally draining as much as physical. So he was certainly prepared, uh, but it's a good reminder for everybody that's in those situations. Yeah, well, we
4: had a, a, I mean, the team meeting after that evolution was like, hey, we need to, you know, Rotate rescuers, rotate positions a little bit. Uh, We all specifically trained in our jobs for this team, but Mm -hmm. that was an eye opener. Like, oh, we got six of these to go through. You know, I'm exhausted on number two. Um, (laughs) You know, take a break, step out, rotate, ask for help. So it worked out. Not
0: not a lot of air movement and it gets a little humid in there with multiple people breathing, that's for sure.
4: Uh, You heat it up in a hurry.
1: Uh, yeah, I think the biggest learning points for that one was uh, the the re, you know <clears throat> we didn't train for doing three hour and a half evolutions a day, and we had the wings first and then the shaft second. I mean, we had oh, the hardest man. ones. We had the hardest ones on day yeah. one, and then and then the and then the highline we finished with. So I mean, the morning of day two, we started uh, outside and we were we were already tired you know so we didn't train for that with doing three in a row so looking back on it you know rotating rescuers um getting more people in when we needed to because yeah it's a um uh, just something we didn't uh, account for and when you have you know that all of our people are are trained and talented enough to work any position um we just didn't we just didn't practice it because we we're trying to specialize and the other good one, too, for that was me and uh, uh, Muscoviac and I were hanging out at the, at the bottom waiting for Dugan. And um, we were like, uh, what, you know, we asked him a couple of times if he needed help. And then Muscoviac luckily noticed that our ropes were like, hey, we were going to run main and safety from the bottom up to a high point and back down. And uh, he's like, I don't think this these this rope is long enough because one was 100 feet. So I, um one point is that use the time that you have when you're waiting on somebody else. You can always do housekeeping. You can always um, fix your rigging. Check for edge protection. You know, make sure you're being as efficient as possible. And point number two, I think if we were to do it again, we'd bring 150 foot uh, 11 mil ropes, and not not 100 foot ropes that we brought. They were a little short on a few of the scenarios. So that was a good that was a good learning one. Oh. Huh there you go so just to so, fill
2: in uh top side rigging we had that was one of the other things is that maybe you know looking back on it we would have probably sent one of the riggers down for sure to assist down in the hole because joseph and i we were hanging out at you know up in the top we're kind of in this locker room and once <laughs> we had set up the topside anchor we shot the rope we did a we did we do a dedicated we did a dedicated main dedicated safety and the safety was on the ASAP safety on the ASAP and then the uh, a dedicated main so it was this uh, change of direction at the top went through a ladder uh, to another change of direction we're trying to kind of weave our way through use all of the space we can in this locker room and so in order to get the longest throw for our change of direction uh, we we ended up using a five to one a single five to one. And, um, and after we had that rig, you know, it was like 15 minutes or so to get everything. I mean, it was tight. It was like, we were missing by uh, an inch on one locker and another inch on another locker. So we, we, we had it per, all of our angles were perfectly set up, but um, it, you know, like we, we were just kind of twiddling our thumbs a little bit. So when when they started coming up, um, we we raised the victim up, but then we identified that we had to have somebody uh, in those intermediate decks to help with those transitions. Yes. So we, we yelled down the hole and um, Adam was able to climb up, you know, between each deck. He'd go up and on the fixed lines up. He'd ascend up, get up to the next deck, help the victim jason clink through the hole and then he and then once we were once we were done as riggers we were like all right we're done let's break it down and we didn't like that with communication didn't get to us that uh we needed to assist our last rescuer out of the hole and so we had already kind of like torn down our five to one and (laughs) our ropes got kind of like a little bit messed up we ended up just hauling him on a three to one with two rescuer you know two haulers but um did you guys do a drop loop
4: on that one too nope i can't remember
2: no nope. straight line straight, straight line down. down good thing I'm mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: one hour and 24 minutes yeah plenty
2: of time. Well, yeah, yeah we had plenty of time i mean and that was the thing <laughs> is we weren't none of our none of these scenarios that we did we, we were not rushed we just you know we did it in our time we we mm-hmm we already succeeded by just showing up and all the prep that we did for it. So it was like, Hey, you know, if we, you know, our goals, our personal goals that Joseph was talking about was just to do just to get there and, and, uh, do well, you know, do well mm-hmm. for us. So, um, that was a great, it was a great one for us. I, I wish, you know, I wish we had a chance to go do, we need day three and we'll do all six. <laughs> there you go.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's kind of interesting because you kind of uh, alluded uh, to this too, that if, you know, in, especially the, in these below deck scenarios, you really don't, if you're up on top, you have no idea what it looks like down below and in. And so not knowing that you need until you can uh, communicate with your crew in there, that you actually need to send people down to help and you get down in in some of these places, you're like, oh man, this isn't good. Yeah which uh, this is uh, kind of coming into the next one here, the last one, which was your first one, uh, very appropriately named. You're not going to like this. What a way to start, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <coughs> it was, uh, yeah, same kind of thing. It was hole in the hole in the side of that pipe, you know, like, hey, you're going in there. Um, all right. So we started with um, Dugan. Uh, myself and uh, Muskoviak. And so this was a good team aspect in how we train. So all of our our team members um, are proficient at every position, as I talked about. Uh, Any of them could be the edge person, as we call it, the leader of the rope team for that evolution. We've got one guy who's a Lieutenant and uh, the other guys who have been doing it for long enough to uh, be completely comfortable. So it's a very um, good position to be as the as the team leader, because I know I can pass off anything at any point in time, which happened quite a bit. And uh, even though I gave out the assignments, I didn't have to worry about it. And then it was passed um, to whoever needed to run the edge or direct the operations. This one was small. I think Tyler looked at me and was like, you're the smallest guy. Why don't you get in there? And so i was like okay (laughs) so i dropped my gear and um went in and it went in through the first hole on the side of the pipe and then uh, traversed over about 15 feet and then down a rusty cable ladder uh, (laughs) that we couldn't touch and so we went down that was about a hundred feet down
4: it was more than a hundred feet because when i initially threw my hundred foot rope that was well, it's probably like 70 feet. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, my 100-foot rope doubled over, didn't reach the bottom. Oh, it was so doubled use, over. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: 70 yeah. feet. 70, 80 feet down. No. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So we went down and then uh, got to the bottom. Found a lot of rust. Uh, <laughs> tra- um, traversed over about uh, 10 feet through two baffles. Found uh, um, our victim Jason Clink over there stacked up we couldn't even package him in the hole he was in so we had to lift him up without using his harness right uh handed <laughs> handed him over like a little baby boy as he came <laughs> through the hole and we just held him you know paused a little bit looked into his eyes and then uh weighed, <laughs> hit him into the uh dragon lift and um, packaged him up, and it was still tight spaces. Even when we moved him out into the one hole, um, Sam and I packaged him up and then moved him out to the bottom where the ropes were. So we had uh, two holes to move him out of. Um, we tried to mine that because it was points awarded for how well we took care of the patient. So we were careful of that. And then we uh, hooked him up, raised him up, and uh, Muscovia could probably speak to this the rigging at the top there. He was inside that hole. And then the other key to this one was that Dugan ascended beside uh, the patient, which was uh, very new to us. Um, that was something that we like, why would you do that? Just have the team do it. But th- there was only one guy up to two guys in the hole, right? Working the mechanical advantage system. So, And it just is a lot less load for them. So mm-hmm. he ascended next to Clink um, as he uh, our victim as he went up and it was it was pretty it was efficient uh, it went pretty quick on the way up yeah it was super efficient I was
4: able to stay on our on my fixed lines and then he was on his main and safety and I just kept him between my legs and it was a that wing at an angled surface so I was able to basically walk right up the wall on my lines uh, with my ascenders and keep him in between my feet uh, sliding up the ladder so it was pretty fast pretty smooth a yeah. little bit of trouble at the top transitioning, uh, getting him squeezed through the two holes we needed to. And then at that point with the ventilation fan running and the hole being plugged by his body, communication pretty much ceased to exist at that point. There was a lot of kind of sitting and waiting and wondering what the holdup was or if I needed to be pushing or I wasn't quite sure what, what was happening, but it was just that edge transition getting through that top hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once he squeezed through, uh yeah it was clear sailing for me to get up
1: and how'd your ascent go there Adam? good good oh real good yeah my ascent was was uh very fun for me i was standing at the bottom watching them go up had with nothing to do and uh looking at the walls and there's these big holes in the wall um then in the, the baffles in the ship yeah i think these were the old fuel tanks right doug
0: uh fuel or they could have seawater in or fuel
1: right okay yeah, so looking at the baffles and I asked the evaluator, like, hey, if I don't touch the ladder, can I touch everything else? And he's, he said, yeah. So once they had the victim and the rescuer out, um, they hooked me up uh, with two lines. I think I had two lines, yeah. And then they hooked up just, a. I set it for them just to rig a one-to-one and then I just climbed the walls of the ship and um, I weigh about 150 pounds with all my gear on. So they just, a uh, little power assist. And um, I climbed up and they poisted me right out. It was uh, very efficient to finish. I think it took us an hour and 10 to get all the way out and done.
0: Wow, that's um, good. That's good yeah. time.
1: It was, a, it was a tough one.
5: Yeah.
1: Um, you got anything to add up on the top side, Muscoviac? You were right at the hole.
5: Well, I think you guys covered it mostly. I think for the hull system, we just had a straight uh, main and then we had a, a safety with an ASAP on it, I believe for that one.
2: Yeah, a pitchhead, ASAP, and then yeah. we. I think we had to back tie the the change of direction because we're we initially they dropped fixed lines. They were able to uh, rig directly above the hole and go down, and then we were going to use those same anchors as our change of direction to haul out. Um, we were basically going between. I think it was like three baffles that we had to go between and we set up a five to one about 25 feet back um and so we had to we had to back tie that change of direction and then because it's a confined space it's a true confined space we saw the permit that you guys filled out on the, the wall and we're we're really familiar because it, it's one of our things that we do um we had joseph was our outside you know he was our um, hole watch mm-hmm. and so to get him into the into the group we put a change of direction right opposite of that hole and he was hauling on that five to one from the back and then we were just in between resetting and then we would haul on you know if it was the the, the single part line or the five to one once it would pass us and uh mac and i just kind of spread out in that that void space up top. And um, it was fairly efficient to just have to at least have Joseph helping out as well. And then when we brought uh, Jason came up, up and out, we kind of Joseph and I pushed him through the last hole. Once we got him back to the starting box, Joseph was able to get in and assist um, pulling everybody out and breaking down. And I stayed out so we just kind of leapfrog that that last part and,
1: and yeah, it was huge you... yeah it was huge to have our our riggers a lot of the times uh I'd be like the middle middle man in the hole and um felt bad for these guys cuz they were the I mean they trained to be the riggers of the vortex and do everything outside the hole and they didn't get into the action you know as much as all of us would like and um <laughs> but uh god's to have them you know they come out i come out and everything was already rigged they would pull it up i'd come out everything was already cleaned up and they were helping me out of the hole and then it was it was done the victim was already in the box long ago and um it was like uh it was like magic so um a uh, huge huge part of just that everybody uh, focusing on their job and and um doing it effectively How
0: did you guys react when the fan got shut off?
1: That was, well, I
3: was a whole watch uh, on, you know, on the outside. And I think we're, I mean, we do a good job of training at the station to be mindful of, just try to have good situational awareness and uh, having, it helped the fact that all the rigging was completed and I was standing by essentially. So when the fan popped off, you know, we're, that's something we're used to paying attention to. We use the same fans in our, in our program. So when that thing popped off, even with the ambient noise of the ship, it was, it was no big deal. And we had uh walkie talkies that we were using to communicate. So immediately that went out to everybody and okay, we got a ventilation problem. Let's, let's assess. And, and, you know, it was obvious that the the extension cord for the it was powering the fan went into the hole which is a little bit of an unusual setup that we, would, we wouldn't do on a real call but uh you know so it, it became clear that that was part of the scenarios um and you know so it once it was identified we we, it was verbalized and and then it magically came back on again. So whatever uh, problem affected it was was f- mitigated.
0: Uh, that's good. Yeah, because you know, some people really kind of enjoyed that few seconds of peace and quiet when that fan went off. So
5: okay.
0: there's was kind of mixed feelings. Should we do we need to turn this thing back on? Or? Oh right. I, I will <laughs> say that
3: was a nice scenario for us to start on because it because it is familiar uh, with regard to a confined space perspective. Um, just to kind of shake the nerves out and um our little team powwow in the waiting area when we were staged but the clock hadn't started yet was uh you know that was another one of those moments that felt really good as a team like we're finally here it's it's this is the first scenario on the first day we got all our gear Um, there's nothing else we can do to prepare and just taking that deep breath and and uh you know just being really excited that we had done what we could to get ready for it and that it was um there wasn't a lot of nervousness I think there was just mostly excitement about getting started.
0: Oh, that's great. And I got to give a shout out to your evaluator. Uh, so Grant was assigned to, to actually to the A flight, which is where I was and to our station. So he, uh, he got to spend his uh, two days in a nasty uh, intermediate platform in the wing voids. So, so he just did an awesome job too. He was really great to work with and it, uh, both uh, Kevin and I really enjoyed working with him. So
1: We'll pass
0: it on to him. They got a call. Yeah. He had to step out. Oh, he had to, he had to step
3: out again. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's on the engine. And, you know, being on the engine, that's your more time out of the house than you are in. So hopefully yeah. he'll get back here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so why do you think some of these uh, scenarios are more challenging for some teams and more straightforward for others?
5: Well, hey, this is Mac. I'll answer that question. Um, I think one of the reasons, at least for us, that made some of the scenarios easier is that we're a, a multidisciplinary tech team. We have, uh, I think it's seven disciplines now that we go through rope, power, trench, confined, machinery, heavy, uh, USAR, and crane. And so, uh, like, definitely having that confined space background versus a team not having that confined space background, maybe not being based out of the states either, because it's all based off rules and OSHA for the states. That definitely helped us, whereas it could be, you know, hurt other teams. Um, I think definitely having rope access background definitely helps a bunch too. I know for us as a team, we didn't have too much rope access background before this started and before we started training with it. I know without that, we would have kind of struggled. Um, Another thing that really helped us out and might've been a hindrance to our team is kind of like the experience like uh, Betty mentioned earlier, uh, six of our members are on the same shift, so working at the same station. They so get a lot of time to work with each other, whereas I, I know other teams uh, might not have met each other until a couple of days before the competition started or trained with each other. Uh, we got, I think, how many
1: times did we train beforehand? Was it six, six times? Yeah. Everybody. Where we did like a full, I mean, there was more training than that impromptu, yeah. but where we yeah. like gave ourselves make-believe, uh, grim scenarios. Uh, six times
5: yeah so I mean just having the ability to get get together six times for a couple hours and practice scenarios definitely helps building that teamwork and working out all the kinks and the friction ahead of time and then uh, I, I think definitely having experience with competitions helps whether it's just watching other teams and picking up little tips and tricks from other teams I know we did that here in Grimp and we taught brought a whole bunch of stuff back to our stations and then our program. So it definitely helps as well.
0: Yeah, That's great. I think you're right on the money with, and that seems to be the the common theme here with, you know, multidisciplinary, uh, multidisciplined teams, especially ones with confined space, you know, NFPA rope, and uh, some rope access backgrounds definitely did the best. If you were missing any one of those three components, uh, team struggled. So... So what was your best takeaway from the event?
1: Yeah, just to, on that last question, too, to just to oh. paint the picture. Go ahead. No, that's all right. We'll, it'll roll right into the next one because yeah. it also goes along with takeaway. I mean, just so you like where we come from as a team and our rope manual is ascending with prussings. And that's how we train our new people. And we, uh, we don't even have <clears throat> a different method on the rig because we are a team of 16. So it's, we teach it and we practice it, but we more practice it in uh, like prussic usage. And mm-hmm. um, because the, the size of our team and how we operate, the guys at the top, uh, the people at the top are doing all the work. So um, we promote that rescuer to be hands-free and, and not, not climbing, where mm-hmm. sprat is completely different you know? <laughs> so, um, that was it, that was a huge, uh, huge thing for us that we had to, to train on. And so it'll definitely be something that we'll, um, take back and, and expand upon. So tools you know in the that? toolbox, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah. I mean, in terms of a takeaway, I think that, it definitely opened our eyes to the the rope access world and getting to talk to some of the other participants who have that rope access background and train in that discipline and work have work experience um, using rope access techniques. It's, it's certainly, I mean, we've already, since we've, you know, since Grimp have started talking about all the ways that rope access techniques are going to enhance our ability to function as rescuers. And it's, you know, required in a event such as GRINT because there's so few participants, everybody needs to be able to function uh, in a multitude of different ways, which Rope Access makes great use of, uh, and it's just mainly integrating those skills into the program that we already that we already
0: have. Hmm. Interesting. Anyone else?
1: Right. That was,
4: a big, that was the big one for me also. Yeah. was Yeah, the, the whole rope access thing, uh, going into a competition like this where we're not used to ascending lines, we, we get hauled everywhere we need to go as rescuers. So the, the training, the equipment, um, I think everybody on our team went out and bought hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars (laughs) a year for for our personal, you know, cash. Don't tell my wife. Yeah, don't tell our wives. uh, (laughs) Yeah, and it, uh, yeah. And then we had uh, blue collar training, lent us a bunch of gear uh, that we needed. You know, we picked that up in Sacramento area on the way down, Um, all hazards rescue here in in the valley uh, nearby. Uh, Rob lent us a bunch of gear that that our team doesn't have at the fire department, um, and you know, like we mentioned earlier, these arborist guys that we work with that are in trees all day long—they've got a whole different set of gear that we're not used to. So, I think this really opened our team's eyes um, up to the possibilities. And okay, so did you guys learn
0: something at the event that you're going to be able to
1: use on the job? Yeah, uh, definitely. I think at all all aspects of it. I mean it starts with the, with the training we did here back at the station. And, and it was uh, really uh, a big change and adaption for us to uh, move from a 16 person team to five and just be open to uh, the new ways of doing things. and And what else that was out there that we didn't know, you know, it has the words, you, you don't know what you, what you don't know. And the, uh, lucky we have people like Tyler uh, hole going deep in the podcast to find that stuff out. And then we can practice it and, and see, and, and vet it out before, um, before we came to the event. So mm-hmm. um, uh and that was just the training side of it before we got there. And then the, just to get in there and experience in it and, um, uh, talking to everyone, it was a great example. Um, like, uh, Joseph talked about earlier. Uh, I think the the biggest thing, when we started, you know, we had, I was coming up with the scenarios, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, let's do this scenario. And then in my head, I had already played that scenario out like three different ways. So, Nobody else knew the scenario, but as a team captain, I was like ready to ready to rip, which isn't what isn't realistic and how it really went down so they recognized that luckily and like hey, what if we uh came we all came up with a scenario and and you're the only one who can't come up with the scenario so that changed the game and actually made it a lot more realistic, you know mm-hmm. but you have to be open to that stuff you got to be the team captain and everybody has to be open to new ideas and just recognize the, the strengths of all of, uh, all of their team, team members and, uh, enroll with it. Uh, it was, that was, that was huge from beginning to, to end, you know, that was a, a, a huge part of it.
0: Yeah. I really like how you guys have identified, you know, the teamwork aspect and the, uh, you know, the, the working together, how, you know, how much of an impact that made on, on your success. So. I think that was very, very well stated.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Okay, so would you uh, would you guys recommend participating uh, in a like such as Grimp to any other teams?
3: Uh, this is Joseph. I can take this one. Yeah. Of course. I, I think that any time, I mean, for us specifically, because we had never competed before, it just, any time you get an opportunity to do something that is going to challenge you, or make you uncomfortable, or push your limits or your boundaries, both what you think you're capable of as an individual and then as a team. I, I would recommend anything like that, whether it's, you know, for the fire service, whether it's fire training, or for tech teams, whether it's a, you know, identifying uh, the discipline that maybe you feel like you're least prepared for, and then hitting it as hard as you can. And and for rope, I, I feel like we're fairly confident rope technicians in our program, but there's always the next level to achieve. And and having the competition, a hard date on the calendar where you're going to, where the primary goal is not to embarrass yourself or your organization <laughs> on, on if, it, on, if not the, you know, the national stage, well, certainly, you know, the world stage as well. So I felt like we accomplished that goal. And I think it was the, just the pressure of the competition and, the fact that we do work together as a team, not wanting to let each other down is, is, a, is a great experience for anybody that's wanting to, to go farther, to go to the next level for the, as an individual and as a team.
0: For sure. Well said. Yeah, very well said. So is there anything else you guys would like to comment on?
2: Do you want to do the, do, like, I could do the final thing. I've been making okay. notes on this one.
5: Do yeah. All right.
2: <laughs> well, also, like, it, it, you guys have anything else besides this? I mean, well, did, did we want talk to about the lack of feedback? This is a... Well, so, yeah, I guess up. that is something that's... Um, you talked about... I guess we'll go back to the last question about um, would you recommend a, a competition like Grim? and, And maybe I can answer that with a question of is there an opportunity in the future for CMC to do either maybe like fire service based, you know, where we'd have more fire service based uh, teams. I mean, it, it, if we felt a little lonely there with, with only having, you know, really three I mean, magic Valley was, uh, you know, they had a, um, they have a paramedic uh, mm-hmm. based uh, they're kind of more backcountry country uh, than, than, kind of uh urban like we are but um and i guess i don't know berlin was was also fire service based so it just um maybe more regional type events where we could have you know like mm-hmm. fire department tech rescue based uh competitions type stuff and then so then that's kind of more of a rhetorical question i guess but uh um <laughs> we'll see in the future if, you, if we have more because I, I think it'd be awesome to have some more regional type stuff yeah. that we could uh, get more teams that might not be able to travel all the way to you know across the country or something like that but then kind of you know
1: and geared towards fire rescue yeah yeah, yeah. I think well, that's what I was trying to say well, but the other
2: the one other thing that Sorry, Doug, were you going to say something? Well,
0: maybe, yeah, maybe if I could address that. I actually just reported, recorded a podcast with another team that unfortunately will have to remain nameless until this uh, this actually becomes public. But what they decided to do, they they liked the idea of, of traveling to GRIP and what they learned. So they're actually, they got together with the departments in their region and they're going to put on a regional tech rescue competition, uh, like basically for... Uh, not only their county but several counties, basically the entire region around them. So a little bit more cost effective instead of send, and sending a team across the country and you, know, and you know multiple day events, hotels and everything else where these people would be able to drive to and it'd be a one day event. So they, uh, the, the the fire department that took place uh, or that participated in, uh, in Grimpton kind of is setting up their own regional competition. So I thought that was a very innovative, you know, kind of, kind of a really a cool setup that they're going to do,
2: and I think, yeah, yeah, I know. So did you just put it in our pocket? Now we yeah. have to.
1: <laughs> we also have to do this. I see what you did there. Yes. Yeah. So uh,
2: I think the, I might know who you're talking about. We may have had conversations on the uh, at the after party there with with some some <laughs> okay. firefighters. So yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I, connections I were made. Yeah, I can't let it out of the bag
0: publicly who it is, yeah. but uh, until they want to publicize it, but but yeah, I, I think that that's uh, that's definitely something doable. Obviously, the logistics to put this thing together is huge, and uh, you know, and you guys had mentioned Mark from Ronan. I mean, the guys from Ronan, Elevated Safety. Uh, we had uh, a couple of people helping us actually that uh, had been previous participants from LA County. Uh, Shaggy uh, from Vertical Integrity came up and gave us a hand. I mean, we had a lot of outside people that, that came and helped us out, uh, just as evaluators, and you know, with all the you know all the spots that had to be filled, there was no way just you know, that you know we could do that by ourselves. And uh, so I know that one of the common questions is you know is there going to be another one? And that's way above my pay grade. So the yeah uh, yeah I I definitely I hope there is. I think there's definitely interest. So we'll have to see what happens though. So. I think the That's only uh,
3: the, the only thing that we were left wanting more of was was feedback, you know, from the evaluators and mm-hmm. kind of a even not a specific scorecard, just a kind of um, general feedback, technically, and then um, from an outside bird's eye view of our how our team functioned together, um, because the point uh, the because. While the competition was great, the finish line for us is not, you know, wasn't the battleship. It was coming back to our department and, and furthering our capability. So right. I, I think that um, if there is a way that CMC or the any future events that um, CMC can put on, somehow in, in the spirit of fairness to the other competitors, still being able to provide that feedback to the individual teams, it, um, would really be the cherry on top for. For an event like Grim, yeah,
0: it, it, it's interesting to say that because that's been one of our frustrations is trying to come up with a way that we could really do that that's time effective because we're fighting the clock with you know teams from all around the world there, and because I know we we talked about you know, try to have like a uh, like a best of session where you know whoever did the best on each of the events you know did a short presentation on that, and even if it's only half an hour, that's over three hours. Um, you know, so all of a sudden now you start trying to add that in. Okay, well, now do you make this a third day? Well, if you do it a third day, then that, you know, obviously increased costs with hotels, everything else, um, and, you know, more time off for people and so on. Uh, so I think this year we were able to get it. I, I know that the, at the, uh, the banquet on, uh, Saturday night, they, you know, they announced, you know, definitely catch up with your evaluators and, you know, we were all free to talk. I know I, I spoke with several teams that night about what i saw and everything else i know so quite a few of the other evaluators had those discussions too but obviously that was a pretty uh pretty fast-paced night (laughs) uh with the award ceremony and everything and you're trying to get around to talk to all the other teams and i mean it's just so many great people there to network with and uh yeah it's it's tough and uh yeah we're definitely open to suggestions of how we can provide a better, uh, a better uh, forum for feedback. And then also, it, I think it'd really be cool if we could figure out a way to have each team, you know, especially the ones that, you know, that had the top score in each of the, uh, uh, in each of the events to be able to share how they did it, because there was definitely good takeaways. And I'm sure if you, you know, when you guys talked with Grant, he was able to tell you that he, he saw six very different ways that people solve that problem. And, you know, some work well, and
1: some not so good, you know, yeah, definitely. And I, I think it was, it was um, good to be able to do that. And then even if, and I don't know if it would possible. And and first of all, too, we super appreciate the work that you guys put in. We know how complicated it is logistically and everything. So it was a, it was a great event. And, um, and I also like how it is focused on training, you know, it's not focused on, what place you get. So that's, that's appreciated. And I, and I think that helps Um, even if you can hand out the scorecards, I don't know if that's a simple way to do. And I don't even know what the scorecards look like. And I know some, and I know Grant was talking about that might be, that might be a problem, but just like, if you can see like, Oh, I got docked. I got docked five times for standing at the edge without my edge pro on. You know, because some yeah. guys don't even know it's happening, that they're getting docked. So, and I, and again, I don't, it would be nice if that, mm-hmm. if that would be a possibility, but, and I don't know if that's possible.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, we can't, we definitely can't share, you know, specific scores and score cards. Yeah. That would be uh, bad because obviously we're not the only event that uses this type of cards. So that would be, yeah, that'd be uh, kind of giving away the, uh, the secret sauce there if we were to give those out. So,
1: oh, Interesting. i didn't think about that
2: yep okay well i think so i think that we've we've said all we just wanted to okay. uh finish up by uh by kind of thanking some of the people that supported us if you don't mind oh by all means yes yeah uh so first would be uh portland fire and rescue they supported us they yeah. uh agreed to let us take a van and they they uh supported us with the uh, entry fee. And I think when we initially budgeted it, uh, we weren't in a gas crisis. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> we got a lot more than we asked for. So thanks for to
3: Chief Jackson for uh, approving those funds for the, yeah. <laughs> the van. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and
1: and then- for letting us drill on duty too. Yeah. I mean, we did all of our drilling on duty. Um, wow. And the guys here at the station, you know, that weren't involved in Grimp had to suffer through our training and uh, silently and not always so silently support us. Um, <laughs> so that was a super huge part of it.
2: Yeah. And then also our uh, our two captains for our program. Yeah. TJ Leonardson, Chad McAvoy. Yeah. Um, and then We're so uh, Sam did mention we 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 couldn't take all the gear off the rigs. <laughs> Unfortunately, we wanted to, but um, and that actually didn't did, would, didn't even get us to that point. So we did have to buy some of our own stuff. But uh, we touched base with friends that we've made through classes and and other conferences and stuff like that. And so we uh, uh, we called Jeff Hockler from Blue Collar Training Network, and uh, we've um, taught with him doing a heavy extrication class. So if you're looking for heavy extrication. Look for Blue Collar Training Network. They're the best. (laughs) Uh, And then All Hazards Rescue. It's a local company that does uh, confined space standby. He's a firefighter uh, friend of ours, uh, Rob Davis. Um, And then during the competition, uh, uh, during the competition, we had a little bit of equipment snafu where we got some stuff quarantined. And uh, so I... Tuck my tail between my legs and I walked around and talked to a bunch of different teams and said, Hey, does anybody have an ASAP that I can borrow? Because our ASAP, we were, it doesn't really, we don't have to go into, into why I got quarantined, but we needed (laughs) two ASAPs. And, uh, great. You know, the competition's awesome. And we, we walked around and, uh, and talked to all the different teams and it come across to Berlin and, they say, of course I have two ASAPs. I'm wearing two ASAPs, but, um, it, you know, something like we don't have a whole lot of that type of equipment. And so they, they went to their vehicle and they had an extra ASAP. So we were able to wow. grab one from them. And then the next day in the morning, magic Valley, uh, said, Hey, we found one in our truck. So it really helped us out. Wow. Um, and then the, the last would be, uh, our, our IFF local 43. Um, they definitely helped us out as well.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. Well, that's great. Especially when you talked about competing teams, loaning your equipment so you could, uh, you had what you need. I mean, that just speaks to the community and to the, to the group of teams that was there, how great of people they were, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely.
2: Yeah. I guess the last, uh, support network would be our families because, uh, we did buy a lot of uh personal. They don't, equipment. Even know, that. They don't know. They're not gonna listen to this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so uh well, well I,
0: just in case they do, if I recall when we were talking that none of you guys spent more than 50 bucks out of pocket on gears. Yeah, I thought that was awesome, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but <laughs>
2: our families to to allow us, you know, the time to go. Uh, you know, I think we were gone for five or six days, and uh it was it was during spring break, so thank thanks to my kids for for missing out on dad for spring break.
1: Yeah, just allowing dad to go full nerd on something yeah. for a little
0: while. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, hey, thanks very much, guys, for uh, taking the time here to share your experiences uh, about Grimp North America and uh, some really really good lessons learned. And I think you guys really put into words very nicely about some of the things that happened at the event. So I really appreciate that. So. Yeah,
1: thanks for having us.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for tuning in to another CMC podcast. Stay tuned for another one.